Um, great, so Dylan, you know all. So here we are today, Christmas Day, right? We, we finally get here. We have finally arrived at this day, a day when we celebrate the birth of Christ, our Savior, who's come to us. A day that is filled with so much expectation as we wait for that. A day that perhaps for each one of us comes and celebrates a little bit differently. Maybe some of you have parties to go to and you're hopping from one family gathering to another. Maybe some of you find this to be a day that finding that quiet moment of celebration, that quiet moment of meditation, of knowing that God has come to you is meaningful. It's a day that's striking for me in, in one thing in particular. And on these days when we come and worship here, you know, I, I get here pretty early in the morning, but it seems that no matter how early in the day I come, no matter when that is, there's always traffic out there on Rivertown Parkway. It's always noisy, except today, right? I get here early on Christmas Day, and it's quiet, incredibly quiet, in the still of that morning when no one's out yet. There's something about that, the, the difference of it, right? That it's a day that's different from all others in some way. And we celebrate that. But I want us to consider what that means today. What it means for this to be a day that's different, that helps us maybe engage and know that going forward. Right, so a couple of stories that go with that. I'm going to start with a story from the Old Testament, which I've been doing throughout this Advent series, taking these moments of the Old Testament and showing how Jesus fulfills them in the New Testament. So today I'm going to begin with a few verses from the very end of the book of Exodus. This comes from Exodus 40, and this is when the tabernacle that tent that Israel used as their temple while they wandered in the wilderness, the tabernacle was dedicated. Exodus 40, beginning at verse 34, it says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Now, forward to the Gospel of John. John begins his gospel in chapter 1 by noting this, and I'll pick this up at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John starts his gospel there by connecting an event. An event that, as we've seen throughout this series that we've done through Advent, all of these various scenes from the Old Testament that bring us forward into the New Testament. And, and I haven't highlighted this one in particular, but in all the Sundays previous to this, I've selected gospel passages from Matthew. Because Matthew, in particular, writes to a Jewish audience, so he wants to pull back those Old Testament stories and bring them in and show how Jesus fulfills those scriptures of the Old Testament. That Jesus becomes what Israel could never do on their own to fulfill the righteousness that God demands. We've seen that week after week going through this Advent series. John runs with it a little bit differently because while what we saw in Matthew, Jesus is fulfilling all of these events in Israel's life, in Israel's history, John shows how Jesus is truly God by connecting an event not necessarily from God's people, Israel, but God as he expressed himself in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord. Right? A, a phrase that showed up in that passage in Exodus, the glory of the Lord came upon the tabernacle. That's where John picks it up, right? John talks about Jesus with that same language, the glory of the Lord is seen, has come to us. His retelling of that story gives that visible expression to God's glory dwelling among his people. Maybe you have even heard that passage from John expressed that way, that when God's word came, became flesh, and dwelt among us, made his dwelling among us, that Greek word there is actually connected to the same Greek word for tent, that he tented among us, pitched his tent, tabernacled. That God came and tabernacled again. That what John is telling us is that in Jesus, what we see is we see the new tabernacle. That same image that we saw from Exodus 40. Well, almost. Because it's different. There is something different going on here. I want us to consider that, how it's different. Consider how in that passage from Exodus, when the glory of the Lord came upon the tabernacle, what we read in Exodus is everybody saw it. All the people saw it. And they saw it every day that they traveled through the wilderness. Through all their travels, it never left. It was always there before them. They could always see it. But in the Christmas story, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, who sees it? Mary, Joseph, a handful of shepherds who happen to be outside the town in Bethlehem. Sometime later, these visiting magi, wise men who come along, 
But other than that, everybody else misses it, don't they? All the other people in Bethlehem, they miss it. They don't see the glory of the Lord. It's right there in front of them, but they miss it. All the other people in Israel, they miss it. Now, it's not as though they they weren't expecting it. The prophecies of the Old Testament pointed towards the Messiah that would come, and the people of Israel were longing for that. So, So it's not like they weren't paying attention, like it caught them off guard. But they miss it anyway. I wonder why that is. How did they not see it? How did they not know? What was it they were looking for? What were they expecting to find when God's Messiah came? Because it seems pretty clear that what actually showed up in Jesus is not what they were looking for, not what they were expecting. So when the glory of the Lord came, it passed them by. They missed it. Their expectations for the arrival of God's glory did not line up with the way that Jesus came into the world on that first Christmas. Now, before we're too hard on them and say, yeah, how could you not know? Maybe we should pause a moment today and consider that question. Have we missed something too? I mean, after all, the detail is there in the Gospels for us to show something. To show the way that so many people just totally ignored because they didn't see the glory of God there. And and that detail is there maybe to point us a little bit towards that same feature where you and I maybe miss the glory of the Lord Because maybe we're expecting something different than what really happened, than what really showed up. Consider it. I I mean, today, right, it's Christmas. Maybe you have decorations in your home and Christmas cards and that kind of thing. We, We come to church and there's Christmas decorations up here. But soon enough, all too soon, the calendar flips to January All of those things get packed away. Life goes back to normal, right? Ordinary. Life goes back to what it was before and and it's gone, right? As much as we may like to say, yeah, Christmas lives in our hearts every day, year round, we, we have a pattern in which sometime after today, We pack it up and we put it away for another year. It doesn't stay. Are we that different? Are we expecting something more that doesn't stick around? Not because it isn't here, but because we're missing something. What does that look like? So maybe part of the reason why that Christmas spirit 
seems to fade so quickly is because we're looking for the glory of the Lord in the wrong place. Maybe like those people of Old Testament Israel were doing. If you've been with us throughout this series that I've been doing in Advent, you know, every week I've been pulling on some kind of a metaphor from airport, air travel, right? We've talked about layovers. We've talked about being rerouted. We've talked about that runway landing approach and everything we do to prepare to land, all those different airport things that we've mentioned. Today it's Christmas. We're there, right? It's the landing. We've arrived. The plane pulls up to the terminal gate. If you've flown before, you know what that's like, right? As soon as you get on the ground and you're on the runway, yep, take your phone out of airplane mode, text whoever it is, I'm here, right? That kind of a thing. Pull up to the terminal gate, and as soon as the plane stops at the gate, what happens? You've seen this. If you've been on a plane, you know it. Everyone at once, unbuckle the seatbelt. Here we go. Get up, right? Get my luggage, my carry-on out of the overhead compartment. I'm ready, and I'm standing in, and what happens? Like, I don't know, 90% of the plane stands up, gets their thing out, and then just stands there, right? Just stands there. Because, I mean, the people at the front got to get off first, and I don't know about you, but I don't ever get those seats in the front, right? I'm, I'm somewhere towards the back. And so two, three, maybe even four minutes where, yep, I'm here, I'm arrived, and, and I'm standing, and I've seatbelts off, and I've got my bag, and I'm ready, but... I'm stuck for another four minutes. A four minutes that feels like four hours because I've been on that plane so long. And so I've arrived. I'm there. And I'm expecting to get off. I'm expecting something different. But instead, why does it feel like the same? That I'm still just stuck on the plane. I should be one of those people, one of those few people who just gets it. Stay sitting until it's your turn, right? Am I really expecting something different? But yet I keep doing that the same as though I am expecting something different. I'm looking for the wrong thing. Can Christmas be like that? We've arrived, we're there. I'm expecting something, but what's actually happening, what I'm actually experiencing is not lining up with what's really happening. Not really there in front of me. So let's consider that. Consider how that comes to us. This Christmas. The arrival of Jesus. A baby. Just a baby. An ordinary baby. Babies are helpless. Babies cannot do anything for themselves. Everything has to be done for a baby, to care for a baby. How is this the glory of the Lord? How is this the glory that we were expecting when the glory of the Lord shows up? It seems pretty underwhelming. Well, considering how it showed up in the Old Testament, right, those passages that follow from what we've seen, especially from Exodus 40, the glory of the Lord comes and settles upon the tabernacle and everyone saw it, everyone knew, everyone experienced that in some way. And so they all knew it was there. 
as it went forward. They all saw and they all followed. But not so with this baby because so many missed it. It's so ordinary. There's nothing about that that screams out for everyone. Here it is, the glory of the Lord, because this this baby came in a barn in this plain, ordinary town of Bethlehem to plain, ordinary parents. Everything about this was ordinary. So how can an ordinary, helpless baby be the new tabernacle. How can this be the glory of the Lord? Let me fast forward a little bit from this section in the Gospels. In fact, let me go to the end, to Revelation. Here's a verse that comes out of Revelation 11. Revelation 11, where it's uh, the seven angels with the seven trumpets, and the last of those angels blows the trumpet. And this is what he says there. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Think on that one for a minute. Because here's what, here's what I think. I think that Old Testament Israel, and I think us too today, we, we expect that to be the other way around. The other way around. We expect the kingdom of our Lord to become the kingdom of our world. But... In Jesus, in Christmas, that gets flipped. It's not the kingdom of our Lord that becomes the kingdom of our world. It's the kingdom of our world which becomes the kingdom of our Lord. So what? Big deal. What's the difference? Here's the difference. That in the kingdom of our world becoming the kingdom of our Lord, that Jesus became the ordinary. You see, in all of those expressions in the Old Testament of the glory of the Lord coming, there was a separation. Do you notice that? A separation. Because the glory of the Lord was sacred. And ordinary people were not allowed to be in the presence of what was sacred. So when the glory of the Lord descended upon the tabernacle in Exodus 40, we read there, Moses could not go in. The only one that was allowed in was the high priest, and that was only one day a year that that person could go into the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord. There had to be space, separation, The glory of the Lord was in a place that was sacred. Everybody else, the people, had to be in the space that was ordinary. When Moses would go up on Mount Sinai to receive the law of God, only Moses could go because the glory of the Lord descended on Mount Sinai. The people of Israel had to stay off the mountain because the glory of the Lord was sacred. But people had to stay in the place that was 
ordinary. Everywhere Israel went, the glory of the Lord went before them in ways that were unmistakable, right? Throughout Old Testament Israel, the glory of the Lord was the thing that shook Mount Sinai. Everybody knew it. The glory of the Lord was the thing that brought Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt to their knees when God rescued his people from slavery. Everybody knew it. The glory of the Lord crumbled the walls of Jericho. The glory of the Lord drove out the vast armies of the Midianites before the people of Israel. That's how the glory of the Lord showed up in ways that were sacred and apart from the people. But now in Jesus, it's flipped. Now, the ordinary, the plain, the the mundane has become sacred. It's not that the kingdom of God with all his glory comes smashing down on top of us. It's that God takes us, the ordinary, the plain, and makes that sacred. That's what's different. It's different because it's ordinary, plain. It shows up that way. And that's why maybe I think we miss it. We miss it because it's Christmas and we're looking for huge, enormous angel choirs. We're looking for those grand expressions of Christmas that come. When in fact the glory of the Lord shows up in the ordinary, in the plain, in the everyday mundane that nobody was looking for. Nobody saw coming. That's where the glory of the Lord is. So maybe in this Christmas time, you know, you you drive around some of the neighborhoods at night and you see some of those houses where the lights displays are just incredible. The things that they put and decorate on their house that is so festive for the holiday. But that's not the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is in those houses that are dark, plain, ordinary, every day. The house that looks the same day after day after day. The life that is lived in the same routines day after day after day. The glory of the Lord came to be there in the everyday, in the ordinary. That's where we find it. That's where we see it. So with the birth of a baby in this barn in Bethlehem, the ordinary has now become sacred. The everyday has now become what God calls to himself as part of his kingdom, part of his world. It's become glorious. So when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, the glory of the Lord is there. 
when you go on about whatever your daily routines might be, whatever that is, making breakfast, getting dressed, brushing teeth, going to work, going to school, caring for families, traveling to appointments, the glory of the Lord is there. When you go to bed at night, the glory of the Lord is there. When you feel alone, stuck, helpless, the glory of the Lord is there. It's in our everyday lives. That is what's come to us in this new tabernacle. So it was on that ordinary night that seemed so ordinary to those people. In that ordinary barn, right, a single light came. A, a light which then became the light of the world. A world that was in darkness. A world that was longing. A world that was looking for hope. A world that needed the glory of the Lord. And his glory came. One light. One light given for us. One light received by God's people. One light received and shared among others so that his glory becomes evident as his light is shared again and again in others. And we see it in the ordinary, in the everyday, in the still, in the quiet. His glory is there. Let's sing about that as we think of this glory of God at Christmas.